coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzsaw Movies, a.k.a. Buzzed on Movies, the Saw edition. Today, we will be covering Saw 2. For some of us, uh, the favorite Saw installment. Uh-huh, and yep. <laughs> we're we're very excited to get started on this one. I'm Teddy. I'm Matt. Hopefully, you have listened to our episode on Saw 1 by now. Um, that will sort of explain why we're doing this, why we're deciding to cover the whole Saw franchise when uh, people might think this is a bit of a frivolous pursuit. It's very near and dear to our hearts. And so we're determined to give each one of these films our best. Uh, especially this one, Saw 2. Quite, quite a great sequel. Um, and in some regards, it improves on the original, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, it's hard to say that it improves on the original, I think. Um, but I think what it definitely does is set itself up to be a whole franchise. Yeah. Um, and to really build an entire, you know, seven, now eight movie series out of out of this one movie that previously wasn't really set up that way, I think. Um, and it really is like the perfect expansion on like the concepts presented in the first one. So I think it's pretty cool. Um, and it departs from the original in the right ways while keeping the same spirit intact. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like there were some hints in the first one that they might. Uh, think to make sequels or expand this out but this installment in particular really lays the groundwork for a lot of what gets explored in the next several movies and really builds the world out enough that they can keep mining this for more and more sequels right so the backstory for how this movie got made was kind of interesting um the director for this was darren lynn boosman um, who had not worked on Saw 1. As we said before, that was James Wan and Leigh Wanell who wrote and uh, created the original Saw. Um, but Darren Lynn Boosman, he had this script called The Desperate that he'd been sort of shopping around for a while trying to get people to make it. And um, a lot of people objected to it because it was too violent. Um, and eventually, when Saw came out, people started objecting to it because it was too similar to Saw. But eventually they they got the idea to actually contact the producers of saw and lo and behold they're interested in making this movie into a sequel in the saw franchise mm -hmm. so they had to do some rewrites uh lay one l did a little rewriting on this but um they basically incorporated this whole original script into the saw franchise and i think it works really well because it clearly has a very distinct idea of its own while still fitting into the larger world that they've established. Yeah, I think so. I think it, I mean, yeah, it definitely, definitely fits into the Saw franchise. It does not feel like one of those movies that was just like sort of shoehorned. In. You know, it does happen where sometimes they decide a movie can be, re a screenplay can be reworked into uh, a sequel that, and you can tell it doesn't fit. This is not one of those cases. Um, it's pretty much the perfect fit. Um while still being different enough to allow for like a full world expansion. I mean, this is the first one where you get some like what I would call saw lore, <laughs> like yeah. where you're, you're getting really into the, into it. 
And there's a lot of lore out there. So we're glad oh my to gosh. be able to start <laughs> delving into it here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was the, um, so James Wan and Lei Wan L really only had the full on creative control for the first one. They would still stay on as executive producers from here on out and uh, occasionally helping with the writing as well. Uh, but uh, Darren Lynn Boosman sort of took up the reins here. He directed this one as well as uh, three and four, I believe. Did he do five? No, was that one they not, switched yeah. up? Yeah. Okay, so he did two through four. And uh, the Boosman entries in the saga definitely have their own feel to them. So, oh, yes. We enter a, a neat little patch of films here that has its own sort of unique voice while sticking within the Saw franchise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the entry of Darren Lynn Boosman is very important to the Saw franchise. I mean, the things that happen in two, three, and four really like set up so much for what happens in later Saw, regardless. So, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, these are super important to the overall Saw canon. Um, and this one in particular by starting that path. So, yeah. And um, a lot of the other crew were retained on this one as well. The uh, editor, Kevin Grutaire, whose style is very distinctive here, he's stayed on. Uh, composer Charlie Clauser, whose theme mm -hmm. was so crucial in the end scene of the first one he stayed on he did a lot more interesting things with the music in this one so uh we're bringing back a lot of the same talent we're bringing in a little more outside town with a few fresh ideas so uh, things were looking pretty good for saw 2 right at the beginning and saw yeah. 1 was a massive hit so they were looking to really go into this thing guns blazing yeah, I mean, they more than doubled the budget for this one. Um, now, that's not saying much in terms of overall, in terms of film in general, because the first Saw had like a very small budget compared to right. most <laughs> most movies. But I mean, considering how much it makes, you know, a $4 million budget against a, you know, almost $150 million box office is pretty good. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's okay for that's And that's the Saw 2 numbers, not Saw 1. So the basic... Um, the basic premise of this, how it starts out. Oh, well, first of all, the, the opening scene of this movie is I think pretty important. Um, it's the first one of these movies that opens with a, a disconnected trap that we see. Right. Um, previously saw one opened up in the bathroom that we saw the majority of the film take place in. This one opens up with a disconnected trap that sort of establishes Jigsaw's methods and um, his voice, but is otherwise not really essential to the rest of the film. And this is a pattern that would play out over, um, I think, every other um, entry in the franchise as sort of yeah, a way to so, kick things off. Right. Pretty much every other Saw opens with... Um... A, a random trap like this i think some of them ultimately somehow get folded back into the story here or there somehow um yeah i can't remember but um yeah th it's definitely this becomes the typical like a cold open type thing for saw is becomes the norm after this one um cold open on a random trap get the title sequence move on um yeah. so that, it's also i mean it's a good way for them to lay the groundwork that then allows them to like with things like jigsaw later open up like sort of not necessarily spinoffs, but like side pathways where it's like, he was still doing all these other traps so we can always branch out when we need to, um, you know? So 
you know, yeah. not not just the main story. Like always like leaving themselves room to say other things were happening no matter what you see in these movies. So Yeah, it sort of gives you the sense that there's a lot more going on that we haven't seen and we're just getting these these brief flashes of just some of the random traps that he's doing that aren't always connected to the main storyline. Right, which is good just on a strategic level for them. It allowed them to like create other entries and things like that. But it's also, I mean, in terms of just building and a fan community, I think was really important because it always it like opened up the imagination easily. People could always like imagine, well, there are these other side stories that could be happening anytime. So that allowed, at least from my perspective as a massive Saw fan at the time, that's how people were like spinning crazy theories. Like <laughs> they were like, well, we know there's all this other stuff happening. So this could be happening. And you saw some crazy, some crazy shit being put out there. So, <laughs> yeah. so this first trap is um, kind of like a, a weird twist on the reverse bear trap that we saw in the last one. Um, this one, instead, the guy has got this device on his head that will close up like a Venus flytrap, as they call it, um, with spikes that are kind of reminiscent of the Iron Maiden that are just going to kill him as soon as it closes. And the yeah. only way he can get out of it is by finding the key. But this time, the key isn't in his dead cellmate. It's hidden behind one of his eyes. Yes. So <laughs> the idea is that he's going to have to dig it out with a scalpel in like destroy his eye in the process in order to save his life. Right. Which to me feels like an almost insurmountable. Yeah. Uh, but okay. Um. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Well, as we can see, it it is pretty much insurmountable for him. He can't even really start doing it. He, he like brings the blade within like millimeters of his eye, but won't go any further. Right. Which is interesting. Cause like, Again, this is another thing that I remembered being more gruesome than it actually was. And it's gruesome in that you like see a guy holding a scalpel really close to his eye and that you see like he's got like cuts on his face that from where they were like surgically implanting the key. But other than that, like you don't actually see him stab himself in the eye with a scalpel or anything, which I thought that he'd at least like sort of started to cut at it. But no, it's a it's another one of those cases of things being a little more gruesome. Uh, in your memory than in the real movie. Yeah, so I think part of it is just like in your memory, there's the cringe factor of the you think that he's going to do it the first times you watch it. You know, you yeah. think, what if he does dig into his eye and we have to watch that? Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think that's part of it. Yeah. Also, for um, we forgot to mention this at the top of the podcast, but we are going to be spoiling these movies in here. Uh, these are very spoilable movies because they have a number of very unique twists and turns that they take. So if you have any inkling to watch this movie, and I highly encourage that you do, uh, maybe take a pause here, go out, check out Saw 2, and then come back and hear some interesting commentary from people who have seen it way too many times. Yes, yes, definitely. If you're interested at all, you should not let yourself be spoiled by our podcast, please. <laughs> that is doing a disservice. <laughs> well, delving forward though um so here's an interesting little bit of trivia i learned this time that i didn't know before so there's that shot that jigsaw jigsaw has like the tv set up there where he explains the whole thing to the guy who's in the trap and yeah. one of the things he shows him is uh footage of him lying past on the table while this 
guy is implanting the key behind his eye. Oh, that and video. Let yes. me tell you. <laughs> this video, uh, we won't get quite into it yet, but this video led to so much speculation. You so have, much speculation among the fan base. I'm, so you, you're just learning this? Oh, no. I mean, I knew this before. I had an oh, inter- okay. I, I had another little bit of information to add to this lore oh, okay. here. Um, so, yes, first of all, this video here spun a whole bunch of speculation that I mean, um, Jesus Christ, we, we won't get up into <laughs> at this point because it has the tendency to spoil some later developments. But let's just say this was a very contentious part of the film. Um, but what I found out was that uh, surgeon is actually the director, Darren Lynn Boosman. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Casually walking with an intentional limp. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, it was mm-hmm, that that scene right there. And I mean, the movie, I mean, it's also, I think, I mean, it's like, a. I mean, I've, as you watch like the later entries in the movies, I mean, the genius of their like doing that in the second movie knowing that it was going to open up about a million fan theories. Yes. Heated online debates and that they'd be able to use that as energy (laughs) for like so many installments with a very large mystery looming over the entire franchise because of one quick scene in a throwaway cold open sequence is pretty cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. There are so many hidden clues in this franchise that come back later that they, that they, acknowledge in later installments it's insane oh yeah they were good at that that was like the whole thing um it's yeah (laughs) but that scene in particular really like man i like i have watched that scene so many times in my life i mean i would replay it like like did i did i miss another clue is there something else i was one of those people so Man, I knew it well. I know yeah. Saw 2, like the back of my hand, I'm pretty sure. Um, I've seen this movie a million times. Possibly. Yeah, this this movie felt extremely familiar on the rewatch. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely saw it many times as well. So, um, other than that interesting little bit of lore there, there isn't a lot of relevance to this scene other than the guy in the trap is an informant who works for detective matthews and detective matthews his character is introduced right after the credits here um the detectives are investigating the scene and matthews comes on the scene and he's specifically called out by jigsaw in graffiti at the scene yes so detective matthews is played by donnie Wahlberg. they got a Wahlberg in here I think he's pretty good. He's one of my um, one of my more liked characters in the whole franchise. I'd say. Wait a minute. Do you, you mm, wait? How liked how? <laughs> I, don't know, I just I think he's interesting. He's got his <clears throat> issues, but there's some things that he manages to do in the franchise that other people don't. That's so, true. I mean, I think he's an interesting character to watch, and I I enjoy his scenes and stuff like that. I just. Whether or not I like him as a whole. <laughs> I mean, he's he's certainly not an overall likable guy, but um, he's an interesting character and he's a useful character. Right. Um, so the basic premise of the movie is that like Detective Matthews is trying to track down Jigsaw 
he gets unwantingly dragged onto this case despite having been kicked down to a desk job. Um, and they managed to track down... Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I just want to clarify. I didn't think of it him as having been kicked down to a desk job. I thought of that yeah. as being like a promotion. Like he was suddenly like in a higher role where he didn't have to work in the field. No, I, I don't think so. I mean... Because the whole, the whole premise of the movie is such that he gave himself a very extreme advantage in all of these cases and made some big solves that he shouldn't have made. Yes, um, but I... I heard that he he'd also gotten into a bunch of trouble. Like he'd gone too hard on some of the suspects. He'd been oh yeah, like, he'd done that and stuff. But it was and, unclear if that had necessarily gotten him into trouble all the time, or if he just got away with it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I guess I guess there's two ways of looking at it. Either he was promoted for his all these cases that he sort of trumped up evidence on, or he got caught being a little too rough and he got busted down to desk duty. Either right. way, I mean, I don't. Yeah, it's either way. It's not a good thing. Anything. That yeah. Happens. Yeah. And and he doesn't seem to like being on desk duty either. No, he and he's also going through a divorce. Um, his kids getting in a bunch of trouble, uh, shoplifting and stuff like that. So he's he's a very troubled character. He gets pulled on to this assignment. They track down Jigsaw at his lair. They go in and for, so. The Jigsaw's hideout is booby-trapped of course, in some pretty brutal ways, um, which I think is kind of funny because, like, he... So he injures slash kills some of these cops coming in, but also he knows they're coming, and he wants them to come because it's part of his whole plan. So um, this isn't really a game that he's playing at this point, is it? He's just sort of yeah. naming these cops... Yes. Just to be like, ah, showed you. Cops yeah. can't get me. That's kind of like, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't really know what his explanation <laughs> is there. Um, other than like, as the franchise will go on, there seems to be an overall skepticism directed at like cops and detectives. <laughs> the movie does not take a fond view of these characters. No, no, I don't. I, don't, I definitely <laughs> don't think Jigsaw does. So, <laughs> um, so I don't uh, know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the victims of uh, Jigsaw are cops and uh, detectives. And uh, a lot of the, not just victims, but <laughs> some of the perpetrators are the worst crimes. Oh, that oh, oh, oh. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Getting ahead of ourselves. Um, not I'm not, I just mean, I mean, there are a lot of victims in these movies. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. And a lot, of, mean, a lot of the victims also have done very bad things. So <laughs> Yes, yeah, that's true. It, it's hard to use victim perpetrator terminology all the time here is this sort of a cycle of victimization going on at some times. Right. Anyway, so they show up, a bunch of them get maimed. Some of them maybe get killed. Don't know, but they show up and they actually catch jigsaw in his lair for one. So it's like, Oh, well there we are. This is like, I don't know, 15 minutes into the movie. I know <laughs> it's like just happened. Like, oh, well, they got it. just started. <laughs> They got him. Oh, that's over. All right. Um, but Jigsaw has one last trick up his sleeve. It turns out he's kidnapped both the detective's son and a whole bunch of other people who um, the detective, Detective Matthews, 
put away sometimes on trumped up charges or slightly evidence planted charges. And they're all locked in this house together and they have to play through one of his elaborate games. Yes. And all they can do is watch on these security monitors that they have in Jigsaw's hideout. Right. They cannot do anything about it. Um, yeah, so that's a pretty big, pretty big moment where it's like they captured him, but it turns out that's exactly what he wanted. So um, <laughs> sucks to suck, I guess. Um, <laughs> you've played right into his hands. Um, and Jigsaw's main request is just that Detective Matthews sit and talk with him. And that's how we get the plot of the movie is they're sitting there waiting and trying to, you know, the detectives are trying to figure out where the video is coming from, how to get him to like tell them where it's coming from. Meanwhile, in the house, these eight strangers are having a real bad time. Um, yeah. And I thought this uh, this section of the movie that they kept coming back to with Jigsaw and Detective Matthews talking was really great, um, both for the movie and the franchise as a whole. It gave you a good chance to um, get a lot more insight into the character of Jigsaw, get, get him a chance to just sort of talk without it being part of a game or at least so you think. And it was a good way to keep cutting back between the action going on in the house so that we could sort of build that tension there. Right. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I really like the way that it was set up that way. I think it, I mean, it lets you get so much time with Jigsaw, which is really important because he is going to become like the driving force of this entire franchise. Um, yeah. So I think that's just important in general. So it's nice that they grounded it that way. And I thought it was genuinely interesting. Plus it gave Tobin Bell a chance to like actually be Jigsaw. Um, yes. Which yeah. he does very well, obviously. Yeah. He got a lot more screen time in this team and this one, all you really got in the last movie was that brief shot of him at the hospital and then him getting up in the last scene. No, that. Not anymore. <laughs> um, Other than that, you pretty much just got his voice from time to time. Here you get all kinds of Tobin Bell. He puts on a great performance here. He does. He's a really fun villain to watch, even though he's like dying the whole time. Um, yeah. He, <laughs> he's not exactly having a, a good day, I guess, but maybe he's having a great day, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Well, he has that line when... uh Detective Matthews threatens him. He says, I don't mean to belittle you, Detective, but I'm a cancer patient. What could you really do to cause me any more pain? Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Good moment. Detective Matthews, on the other hand, looks like so pained the entire time. Like, <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's possibly in more, more pain than Jigsaw half the time. Um, he just looks like he's like, ah, I screwed up and now I don't know what to do. And I hate that. I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, his so. son's missing and he knows that Jigsaw has the upper hand. And um, so he, he's very frustrated and he's very tempted to lash out, but he's, he's trying to hold back uh, with varying degrees of success throughout the movie. Right. So um, we don't want to go into too much depth about what happens in the house because yeah. it's long, it's complicated. Uh, you, you can watch it for yourself. But 
basically they're trapped in this house and there's a deadly nerve agent being pumped in that's going to kill them all if they don't make it out within a certain amount of time. They have to go through these various challenges to get the antidotes that'll prevent them from being killed by it. And they are supposed to work together to solve some of these challenges. Although that very quickly goes off the rails. Um, Like you do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody ever works together in the Saw franchise, basically. The, the nature of the nerve agent as uh, Jigsaw explains it to detective Matthews, he says, they're going to start bleeding out of every orifice. And he says, Oh yes, there will be blood. Oh yes. Infamous line. Um, one of the most classic lines of the, the tagline, like for this, this, this movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I distinctly remember when I bought like the DVD, I was, <laughs> I was like, Oh, it says it on the box. Um, so. Yeah. It's kind of interesting that that line refers to the nerve agent wherein like, if you see it out of context, you'd assume it's some sort of trap involving saws or cutting, or stabbing, some sort of dismemberment. Ble- and, yeah, dismemberment and type thing rather yeah. than like a chemical or medical reaction right. from the nerve agent. That's interesting. But no, it's about that uh that nerve agent. Yeah. Kill them all. Which um, he compares to uh, the Tokyo subway attacks. Um, yeah weird (laughs) interesting bit of uh real life inspiration there so really upsetting (laughs) (laughs) i would say yeah really yeah so you know they're all trying to work together to figure out how to get out of this house um i thought I mean, it was a really cool way to set up the whole thing. They each then had to, like, there were individual traps laid out throughout the house um, that would allow them to get the antidote. Um, I think uh, as a young Saw Saw fan, I really wished that we had seen more of what those looked like. Um, I wanted wanted more. I wanted to know what everybody specifically would be, even if I didn't have to see them deployed. I was like, (laughs) I don't want to see certain people do these things but i want to know what jigsaw had in mind for everyone right um, so presumably there's one trap there for each person in the house and they're each supposed to complete their own challenge to get the antidote but as we said things pretty quickly go off the rails i think they only like successfully get through like three of the traps well su- um, they don't successfully get through successfully. the traps they successfully attempt like three of the traps no, um, they <laughs> just attempt. Let's just go to the attempt. One, yeah, one of them you sort of see at the end just get completely bungled. That, um, like wasn't even part of them trying to solve it. That, and apparently wasn't even the person it was attended for. Uh, that um, that wrist trap towards the end. Oh yeah, uh, that's not. I don't think that was supposed to be hers. That was supposed to be for um, the the first guy to die. The first guy he who died. Shot, yes, yeah. He gets shot by that gun that's le- linked up to the doorknob. Yes. Uh, in the yep. first room that they wake up in. That's correct. Oh, interesting thing about that. So the guy, um, that guy, he sa- he mentions when they first wake up in this room together, he sa- says like, oh, I was watching this movie last week. Where there's a guy, he's a war correspondent. He goes into the war zone. He gets 
kidnapped and he wakes up in a room and he was in that room for nine years. I was like, that's basically the plot to old boy, isn't it? <laughs> is that what they're trying to reference here? Like, cause I couldn't think of anything else that like, what, what is this movie? Supposed it might to be? be. Yeah, probably. Like, it really sounds like old boy other than the whole war correspondent thing. Yeah. But yeah, another little weird bit of intertextuality there. So, uh, why don't we just cover like the the two big traps that they encounter uh, in their journeys to this house? Oh, uh, sure, the, sure. The yeah. first being the the furnace trap. Yes, which um, they discover in the basement after finding a note attached to like this dummy that's passed out at the. <laughs> not passed out but it's like slumped over the table yeah that dummy is very strange and bizarre um (laughs) and was another topic of heated debate online at at various moments because people were like i think that's a real body and so everybody was like who is it and i was like i don't know i think it's probably not anything Um, i think they might have noticed if it was like a real body but right who knows um so they they find this dummy with a knife in his chest and a note attached to it. And the note says, I'll be on it. O-B-I. O-B-I. Um, and one, uh, the guy who finds it, Xavier, is saying like, what's Obi? And then another guy who hasn't spoken yet comes down and says, "It's oh, Abby. It's my name. <laughs> so his name is Abby. Abby. And then and then they play the jigsaw tape and jigsaw says, "Hello, Obi." <laughs> it really is a great moment. It's also particularly funny because you will come to find out that that Abby was more closely involved <laughs> with yeah. a lot of the goings on than any of the other characters. Like he clearly like jigsaw knew him the best out of all of these people. Like yeah. So Abby's job was to kidnap the rest of them. And then I guess he got put into the game himself as well. Right. But I guess Jigsaw didn't know him well enough to know how to pronounce his name correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Which is pretty funny. You had to think like Abby must have been like, oh, great. Like even he's getting my name wrong now. (laughs) And I'm stuck in this damn house. Yeah, he was having a very rough time. He's not having a great day. Oh, another funny moment that I forgot to mention from earlier on. Uh, when Detective Matthews first finds out that his son is trapped in this house, he tries to call his cell phone, and <laughs> the voicemail message is Jigsaw on the phone be like, Hello, you've reached Daniel's phone. He can't come to the phone right now. <laughs> And it's just such a goofy moment in an otherwise like pretty dark movie. I just had to laugh so hard. It's so good because why did Jigsaw take the time to change his voicemail message? It was like, like just to fuck with him, basically. I mean, pretty much. But what if he had like, what if Detective Matthews had noticed before he'd gotten there? Like, yeah. <laughs> what if he'd called his son, which parents do i mean that's a an actual thing that parents would do a normal parent yeah um so he he literally went in and changed daniel's voicemail answering machine whatever 
seems excessive <laughs> jigsaw yeah jigsaw thinks of everything thinks so, of everything very detail-oriented guy <laughs> i need to change my voicemail it needs i need to like get pulled together a, a jigsaw answering machine for mine um so that's a you new have, goal you need to find out if there's a character named matt at any point in the right street. just well we can probably find just something um I just want when people call, it's Jigsaw being like, hello, Matt can't come to the phone right now. Then everybody can be terrified and think that I'm in a in a nerve gas house. Um, <laughs> you can just contact Tobin Bell. I'm sure he'll do it for you. Just say my name. Oh, <laughs> I'll edit the rest in. Just literally just say my name in the voice. <laughs> I've got the rest. Don't worry. In the voice. <laughs> do the voice. Do the voice. Tobin Bell, come on the pod. Do the voice. Yes. The whole time. Just do the voice the whole time. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, Abby has to go into this furnace to uh, grab two antidotes from the back. And in the meat, like, the thing is because of all the people he's burned time and time again. Right. Which is exactly the sort of. Uh, poetry that jigsaw likes to write here yeah he's nothing uh, if not melodramatic so <laughs> he really likes to <laughs> very much so uh so abby goes into the furnace of course it slams shut immediately and turns on uh as soon as he grabs the first antidote um and then he's supposed to run across like run across to the other end of the furnace past the fire to turn the knob to turn it off yes there's there's a little illustration of the devil there and it, it's a callback to a part of the tape where he says when you're in hell only the devil can help you yep but, unfortunately uh, abby is un unable to do that no um, and he just kind of burns to death after Jesus. smashing through the glass and like flailing around a little. Um, yeah. It's that very was... unfortunate. However, I would like to take a moment to say that my drink of the night uh, is, is a nod to Abby. I have chosen a fireball shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's my drink of the night. So here's to you, Abby. You couldn't, no one could get your name right. And you, <laughs> You burned to death. That's very great. In a furnace in the nerve gas house. Uh, my cocktail for the night, incidentally, was um, a recipe I found online called Antidote. Oh, which cool. Is made with scotch and cherries and oranges. Oh, man. That sounds pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to take yeah. one of these shots now, so just give me a second. I have to... <laughs> I'm only drinking Fireball as shots because I don't, I don't want to sip this ever. Um, don't like to savor the uh, the tasty liqueur. Jesus Christ! <laughs> it was like somebody like liquefied big red gum and poured it down my throat. Oh yeah, that's exactly what it's like. And it's like I can't think of anything I want less. So it's really it's a hard situation to be in. I when I went into the liquor store to buy it today, I was like, can I get a couple airport bottles of Fireball? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, absolutely not. I can't believe I'm doing this. Why am I subjecting myself to this? It's all for the pod. 
But I've known since we decided to do specialty cocktails that I would do Fireball tonight for Abby. I have known the whole time. So I couldn't say no. I couldn't Good change choice. my mind now. Yeah. Yeah. Glad you followed through. Um, yes, it's for the good of the listeners, as always. <sighs> Much to my own detriment. It's sort of like my own saw trap. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're building our own little traps here um, of our own design. And we'll see if we have what it takes to survive. So, yeah, Abby dies in that one. I guess he's the second one to die because um, that other first guy. first one is is our died. friend Gus who Gus. stupidly looks. I mean, I know he's never been in a jigsaw trap before, but <laughs> you've just woken up in a house with eight strangers. You've been told that there's a nerve gas like murdering you. Um, right, right. And there's a key that says don't use the key on this door. So wh- why do you decide to use the key on the door and look through the hole in the door at the same time? I mean, obviously yeah. that's a bad idea. Looking through the door, looking through the keyhole seems like the worst part of it. Like you're like, if you were going to try the key, you'd like reach maybe, around and like be know, out of the way of the door. Like, like, like eh, just kind of, kind of stretch out and try to avoid being anywhere near the door. But no, no, just look through the keyhole in case what, like, you can see someone on the other side or something while you're opening the door. Yeah. What's your point? Yeah. That was a terrible idea. Uh, but you know, they, they use it to demonstrate that cool gun through the keyhole idea, which is pretty interesting. Right. I also like that. This is like before, cause within the world of, of Saul later on this, these murder cases are like huge deals all over like every news publication and yeah, like, like international news. Basically. Right. And at this point in the, in the, in the movies, um, <laughs> clearly that's not the case because somebody's like, Oh, you haven't heard of the jigsaw killer. It's Addison who says that uh, one of the, one of the women in the, in the traps and this other guy's like, no, what are you talking about? And I'm like, really? I feel like this would be a headline. I mean. <laughs> yeah. By now, like in the first one, ostensibly there'd only been a few victims so far. So, and so out of Adam and Dr. Gordon, only Dr. Gordon had heard of Jigsaw right. before. But by the time world renowned surgeon, Dr. Gordon has disappeared. And we know he's world renowned because there are headlines indicating such in the first movie. Right. <laughs> he disappears in one of these traps and nobody knows. I mean, maybe they don't know he was in a trap. That's also the, because clearly no one knows where this mysterious bathroom is. So, yeah. Yeah. But yes, interestingly enough, some people don't know who jigsaw is. The one person who really can explain jigsaw to everyone is Amanda. One of the mm-hmm. people in the room. So, Amanda showing up is a very interesting development in this movie. Amanda was in the first movie in one of the flashbacks. She was the one in the reverse bear trap. Right. So she was like the most iconic Saw victim ever. Yeah. (laughs) At that point, she was the one survivor. um, Right. And her life had supposedly been turned around by being through that experience. And she'd, uh, she'd kick drugs. And the reason she was in there in the first place was because she was an addict. And so it's interesting to see her show up again. The reasoning that's given for why she's back 
is she says she wasn't being very good to herself. You see some flashbacks of her like cutting her wrists with razor blades. So clearly she's had some other problems despite kicking the addiction. Well, it turns out that like having to dig through the stomach of a, of a not yet dead man to get a key to unlock a thing that's going to rip your head open might not be good for the psyche. Yeah, I don't think that's the best addiction therapy. It'll probably cause some other issues down the road. There's this thing called but, trauma. I would like to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's what we have here. Definitely. Oh, uh, I so just she... thought about the, the trauma aspect and <laughs> later saw injuries. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Mm, oh, yeah. Got some good stuff. Okay. Very good stuff. Don't want to get ahead of ourselves. No. But yes, yeah, she... She's clearly horrified to wake up again. Uh, she's clearly the most disturbed when she wakes up. Like everybody's a little freaked out for obvious reasons, but she knows exactly where she is right away. She starts looking around for clues. She's the one who finds the first tape. Um, and everyone's a little suspicious of her because of how much she seems to know until she explains that she's played the game before. Right. So the game. Yes, Oof. the game. So she is the one who has to complete the second big trap that we come across, even though she wasn't originally the one who's intended for that trap. Actually. She should not have completed it. It should not have yeah. been her. So the the next trap was intended for Xavier, who is this big, muscly drug dealer dude who's in there. Um, and he is supposed to dig through this pit of hypodermic needles to find yes. a key to open a door because um, of all the people that he's hurt with drugs over the years. Right. But instead of doing it himself, he just starts looking around for someone else who's going to have to do it again and uh, who's going to have to do it instead. And he focuses in on Amanda and just throws her into the pit. God, it's rough. <laughs> he really just like picks her up and tosses her into this needle pit. Yeah, um, that her, the sound of her hitting the pile of needles is just so sickening and gruesome. It's really disturbing. It's um, really bad. So, yeah, so she has to dig through this pit of needles. And let's keep in mind, she has a, from the moment the trap began, she had a four minute time. Uh, time limit but he didn't throw her in until about the two minute mark so yeah she has about two minutes to see search through a pit of needles and find this key and it's a large pit with a lot of needles yeah so she's basically just tossing needles around and <laughs> screaming and, and in case you were wondering does jigsaw make a joke about finding a needle in a haystack oh he does he does he definitely does i mean that's we should style. start running down the types of like, like Jigsaw loves puns. Absolutely. Jigsaw is like really self-satisfied with the puns he makes. Um, I'm pretty sure ones. he, I'm pretty sure he even laughs to himself after that one. There's yes. definitely a couple in this one that he laughs to himself on the tape afterwards. You can find a clue to their order over the rainbow. Like he laughs so much at himself on this one or like <laughs> every time he's talking to detective Matthews and he says something, it's like, you will find your son in a safe and secure location. 
and then just like smirks and i'm like all right yeah. <laughs> like we get it well we don't we get it oh man <laughs> later we figured it out um yeah so she's digging through this pile of needles it's pretty gruesome it's another one of those things where it's more about I mean, geez, like so many of these are just like more about what you imagine it to be like than what you see. Uh, you definitely see her hands getting kind of bloody, but and you see yeah, so needles I actually sticking think, out of her. I think that's an important difference between like these first couple of saws and what we get a little bit later. Um, right. Because there's a lot of like, like saw is largely derided as being like gruesome torture porn and stuff like that. That's obviously the biggest complaint it gets. Um and being too bloody and violent and i think that like it's really not that immediately violent for a while right Um, i mean two definitely steps it up a little bit from the first one you definitely like see some stuff here you see a lot more blood you see these traps that are specifically kind of body horror oriented but you really don't start delving into like the brutal full-on dismemberments and stuff until i think at least three well three has i think the first really 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 big brutal one (laughs) um and we don't want to spoil getting to that one i think it's one of the more i don't know notorious traps (laughs) um yes definitely um Um, but that three is definitely where it gets like pretty pretty vicious but then after that it even gets worse i mean let's so well, you but can tell the they one. sort of felt like they had to keep amping it up with each installment. They were trying to st- one up they, themselves. Yeah. yeah, they were getting a lot of people coming in for the gore, and they were like, "Well, we'll give them what they want." Right, right. I mean, yeah, no, I understand why they did it. Absolutely, it wasn't necessarily meant to be a knock. Um, I was just saying that you can definitely like. There's a there's definitely a difference between like one and two, and then those types of violence we get later. Um, yeah like in my mind there's a difference between like this needle pit trap and something like when later we do get the like something like the crucifix or like you know the the terrible one where they have to put their hands on the blades and draw blood (laughs) like i always think of that one that's that's always what i go back to like um so um like it's there's just like definitely a difference in the way that the traps were like designed from the beginning but that's also narratively makes sense and we'll talk about the narrative aspect of it later i think but um like in later right, right, later right, episodes yeah. but i do think that it makes sense from a narrative standpoint because of what's happening so um the, it's just very different so yeah so um she has to dig through this pit she eventually finds the key at like the last second and she throws it up to Xavier yeah, but Xavier is Mr. Fucking Butterfingers over here. And like, <laughs> it made me so mad watching it. Like, to, I watched key. it just before recording. And well, like a few hours before recording. And he picks up the key, throw, goes to put it in the lock, and immediately drops it. And I was like, you fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> like she had to do the hard part. Like, all you have to do is put it in the lock. It's like the dumbest fumble I've ever seen in my entire life. I was like so angry. And I was like, and I don't want this guy to survive for any reason. But yes. like, I, nobody I mean, this has ever had a worse fumble than that. <laughs> Certainly. 
Don't not say a, anything. Not a football team we all know. Um, <laughs> yes, it was pretty bad. It was it was the worst we've ever seen. Um, <sighs> he drops the key. Lives um, were on the line, Teddy, as opposed yes. to football. <laughs> Literal lives were on the line this time. Uh, he drops the key in like the last two seconds and then the time expires and they can't get the door open. So they can't get the antidotes that were going to be behind that door. And then of course, like he gets mad at Amanda. He's like throwing a temper tantrum. You're the one who fucked this up. I like when he gets mad. He's like, the only thing y'all have in common is holding me back and walks out. And I was like, all right, Frankie G, we need to calm down. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah. Um, but it's very, yeah, he gets very upset. He is, I feel like there's almost one of his character in a lot of later Saw entries where it's like the character on in the team trap who just like cannot get along no matter what happens. Yeah, he's just all about himself. Yeah. Like to the detriment of everyone else around him and to himself uh, because he just, he's screwing everything up for everyone. And yeah, he, he, screw, yeah. he does screw everything up for everyone. I mean... Um, but I think that that's um, importantly, and I don't think a lot of the later Saw entries necessarily um, succeeded in the same way. But I think in Saw 2, a lot of the the cast of the house trap are actually really sympathetic. Um, like, I genuinely am rooting for most of these people. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it's a Saw movie, so that's kind of a futile effort. But like, like I most of these characters, really, I don't want to see anything bad happen to. Like... <laughs> Right. Not that I like watch Saw movies and I'm like, oh, I want to see these people be dismembered. But you know, like, like there are a lot of times horror movies make the characters very unlikable. And that's a smart choice on their part. Nobody wants to really love a character and then watch them get torn limb from limb. That's not fun yeah. for people. Um, but like, you know, a lot of times they're not necessarily lovable. But in this one, like, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of these characters are genuinely like, it's kind of sad. <laughs> Um, yeah, no. I mean, like, obviously, Xavier and Abby are not great guys. No, but I really uh, like Jonas. Um, yeah, who Glenn Plummer plays? <laughs> you um, you get the sense that he's done some bad stuff, but he's like he's trying to help everybody out. He's and he's a family man. He's most for, yeah, he's a family man. He's a decent guy for the most part. Yeah. Um, I uh, genuinely like Daniel. I want Daniel to get out of this thing alive. Um. Yeah, I mean, he's just a troubled kid who's in a bad situation. He's acting. He's a out. terrible dad. I mean, his dad's a dickwad. Um, yeah, and I, I like Addison for the most part. Um, and I really like Laura, but that was referenced last episode. Um, yeah, well, but she's that's... very sympathetic, though. Like, <laughs> she's just so sad. <laughs> she's always crying. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, she's like falling apart. Like every time that there's like an argument or something yeah but there's like, that like oh. really sad moment where she's like i just this can't be the end like there's so much left that i want to do this can't be it yeah like, and that's like that's sad and that's like not the sort of moment that you get in a lot of like later injury saw um but it's like yeah. a nice like very human moment uh between two characters here because it's her and daniel talking well yeah it makes you think of them as like people who like have lives that they want to live Whereas, like, in some of these installments, it's clear they're just sort of, like, chucking people in there as fodder for these traps of Saw. Um, right, right. Really care. They don't really <laughs> care about establishing much of a character for him. But here, you know, you do get some some sympathetic feelings towards 
the people who are going through this. Yeah. And I mean, I think it makes sense. I think um, the plot of this movie and like the, the thing that all of these characters have in common um, <laughs> is such that you should be sympathetic to them because a lot of them have been in bad situations that were not of their making. And, um, yeah. and that's kind of like a bummer. And so like in this one, like making them all pretty like relatable in a lot of moments is important other than like Xavier. And I mean, it's hard to like Avi, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel for him because nobody can say his name, but like also you <laughs> kidnapped everyone and put them in these traps. So buddy. Um. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty clear. He's not the kind of guy who has any sort of problem with doing something no. like that. So he's probably done some other really bad stuff. He was too. like, whatever, you would have done the same thing. And I'm like, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> like This guy has no morals whatsoever. He's just yeah. like, yeah, sure. Like, I, I kidnapped you. What up, bro? Like, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, no. So, but aside from those two, I think most of the characters are genuinely likable for the most part. Um, Amanda... Well, Amanda is, and then Amanda suddenly. <laughs> well, we're getting to that. But yeah, yeah, Amanda seems likable. She's been through a lot of problems, obviously. Drug addiction, self-harm, and surviving Jigsaw the first time. Yeah. So, okay. So we've talked about the two big traps we see, like, really deployed and hear the tape for and everything. Um, but there is a third trap that we witness in the house. Um, yeah. And I'd like to visit that. <laughs> uh, because that's like first of all a weird scene and second of all i have like i think just like on a physics level the trap <laughs> i want to know i want to discuss what the purpose was right okay uh, so to set the scene for this uh when we get to this last trap like pretty much all the shits hit the fan um but xavier people, has started a murderous rampage yeah he started going around murdering people He's trying to get the numbers off the back of their necks because everybody's got a number on the back of their neck um, that's supposed to match up to the combination to a safe that has an antidote in it, right. which was the clue that uh, Jigsaw gave at the beginning where he said that the numbers, <laughs> the combination the of the safe <clears throat> is in the back of your mind. <laughs> the clue to their order can be found over the over rainbow. rainbow. <laughs> all right jigsaw (laughs) more 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 puns um and i guess because they're all in different colors you just put them in rainbow order you do it's a rangy biv although worth noting that there are eight people in the house and there are seven colors in rangy biv but that's okay um so hmm. someone doesn't have a number well it's probably pretty clear who doesn't have a number um but, <laughs> but um, yeah, so what any normal person would do is be like, hey, we've all got numbers on the back of our necks. Why don't you tell me what the number is and we can go get one of the antidotes. But instead he starts just like killing everyone yes. to get their number. I, okay, and this is not a defense of Xavier, but in Xavier's defense, they, it is worth noting that they have squandered multiple antidotes at this point. He has no idea how many are left. Like, so he's probably concerned that anything they find is going to lead to a massive amount of fighting over who can use it. Probably. Um, I mean, yeah. That's probably his mindset. That doesn't make it any better because he's being a dickweed. You shouldn't kill them. You should just go use it yourself and then let them find another one on their own. Like, 
but it's clearly like every man for himself at this point. Yes. Um, Obby's because they dead. have all, Obby's and, dead, and they have learned the secret of how they're all connected too by this point. Um, which oh, is yes. important, right? Because they were all um, set up by Detective Matthews. Basically. Yes. Right, so they've all learned that Daniel in the trap with them is the son of the cop who set them up and framed them and sent them to jail. Um, well, they don't find that out right away. But that's when. So, but that is when they after at this trap they have found it out. Addison knows. That's why she's alone. Right. Okay. That's like the last discovery. They they figure out that they were uh, connected before they find out that he is uh, is actually Matthew's son. Right, because that's how. Um, because that's Beverly Mitchell as Laura's last like action before she like has a seizure and dies, um, is pointing them to the photo that reveals it. Um, (laughs) X marks the spot. Yes. (laughs) Um, and then Lucy Camden dies. Rip Lucy Camden. Um, but yeah, so they have figured this all out and Addison stomps off on her own for reasons that are beyond me. I mean, I know that there's like the whole, like, can I trust the son of the guy who framed me thing. Like he must've been somehow involved in putting me here. Like, I don't know. Um, but at the same time, it's like, do you really think this 15 year old kid had anything to do with anything? I really think you're overreacting Addison. Um, (laughs) yeah, I mean like I, I think people might want revenge against him or whatever, but like, as far as they know, he doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, I think the bigger concern is that once they find that out, they probably all immediately assume Detective Matthews must be involved somehow in putting them here in the first place. Yeah. So they're probably thinking his son is like some sort of like decoy or like pawn. Like he's not necessarily, you know. um, Inside, insider or something. Right. He's like a mole. And so um, that's probably it. But she stumbles into a room. (laughs) and And... the vibe with which she stumbles in the room sort of reminds me of like the way you stumble into the bathroom at a drunken party. Yes. Well, it's I like, think she basically is basically, I mean, she's sort of drunk at this point. Yeah. So in addition to this murderous rampage going on to like several people being dead, like they're all succumbing to the effects of the nerve gas at this point. So she's like pretty much delirious she stumbles into this room and there's this trap in front of her and she's just kind of like ah <laughs> and there's this trap in front of her um she's basically like a plexiglass box i is it like hanging from the ceiling or is it it like is it's like hanging no it's hanging because yes it the holes are on the underside right yeah it's got these two holes at the bottom with uh like metal bits around them you right. can't quite tell what the nature of is yet um but they they look about hand size and there's a uh a antidote syringe standing up in the middle between the two holes sure is it's just like sitting right there between them <laughs> and she so she rips down a letter an envelope holding a tape for the tape recorder because all of these traps have had tapes and then just tosses it to the side. Yeah. Um, she doesn't even listen to the tape. She's and like, I mean, what? it's like, she doesn't have the tape recorder on her. Um, we've seen throughout the the game that Jonas had it. Um, right. But like, I really think, I mean, maybe it was the state she was in, but man, this is a dumb choice. 
she just decides to reach her hand right up into the trap. And, of course, she can sort of reach the syringe, but when she goes to pull her hand down, the the holes at the bottom, it turns out, were lined with, like, these really well-designed blades that just entrap her hand, and they're slicing her hands up if she tries to pull them out, and there's no way to get them out. Yeah. It's like a like a Chinese finger trap, kind of. Now... The clear solution is don't put your other hand in, lift the blades with the other hand and (laughs) gently slide your hand out and she reaches her other hand right up in. I mean, it drives me insane. Yeah. And then, then, so she reaches the other hand up in and she grabs a syringe and she pulls on it and the plunger is still stuck to the bottom of the box and it pulls out and the antidote flies everywhere. God. And now she tries to lift lower both hands and both wrists are getting slashed up. And she it's just ridiculous. starts moaning and crying. And she's like, okay, clearly like this is not going to work out at this point. Like she's screwed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But my other, my big question is, how was this intended to work? Like, <laughs> because okay. it seems like the answer was clear to me and it was relatively painless. Like, I mean, just use both hands on one hole. Yeah. So that, that would be one way to do it. What I have read um, in the, the trivia, various trivia here on IMDb and Wikipedia, is yes. that supposedly you can see that there is like a, a door with a key on the box. So, so yes, the that's actually so, if, you, if you watch closely in this scene and like this sequence, you can see it hanging. Like there is something there. So there's also that like, <laughs> so you would be able to just get in, like unlock the door and just reach in and grab it. Uh, <laughs> But like well, it just makes it such a strange trap because there's such there's such an easy way around it. That's my only, point. You'd have to be really dumb to actually fall for it, and yet here we are. So yeah, I mean, of course, then it's fitting that it's for the same guy who stuck his eye into an eye hole in a door and like turned a key that he was told not to use. Yeah, um, true. For like, all we know, he would have fallen for this one too. He would have rushed right in, just like Addison. But like. I just don't understand how it was supposed to make sense. Like there's a, there, it seems like there were easy ways to get around this one. Um, and I'm very confused by that jigsaw. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Now there yeah, were easy ways one. in some of the other traps too. I mean, Adam in the first one, if the key hadn't gone down the drain, he would have had not been hurt at all. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he would have just been like, Oh, there's a key here. Yep. Uh, I get let me try it here. Oh, what do you know? It unlocks the chain. Okay. <laughs> right. So I guess that's not totally outside of Jigsaw's uh realm, but it would have been strange. I'll tell you that. Yeah. There's plenty of things here that if they hadn't gone uh, well, both in this movie and in a bunch of the other ones, that if they hadn't gone exactly the way they did, just purely by chance that it would have seemed really dumb on Jigsaw part on Jigsaw's part. They would have just like gotten out of it almost immediately and been like, Oh, that was supposed to be a challenge. Okay. Um, I guess he's not a perfect engineer. No, but I mean, he does build these things like that. That was the design to begin with. 
Like, it's not like it was a failure of design. It's just the design itself was like, really? You made it that easy to escape? And all they have to do to actually be trapped is to be extremely dumb or extremely unlucky? Yes, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Which is exactly what happens in this one. I mean, it, like, drives me crazy. It, like... (laughs) But it's a fun trap, though. It's it is. It, it's interesting visually. It you get to you know see her like kind of just stuck there, just completely helpless. Even though like all she's got is her hands inside this box, but as soon as she tries to move them, just yeah. Eh. So it's like she's also like standing and coughing up blood. Like it, she's in like a nightmare yeah, zone. She's um, not doing well. Um, it's also like a clear indication of how like another example of how these traps were just designed for like individuals. And so I really wish we'd have been able to see some more, just see them, see what the other traps would have been, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the last real trap we get to see in that house. Right. It would have been cool to see them, to see like a competent set of people go through this as a, like a true obstacle course. Cause it is set up kind of like an obstacle course. It is, but, yeah. I bet Jonas would have succeeded at his trap. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even get a chance to do anything. He was no. just trying to keep the whole group together the whole time. Yeah. Um, he seemed to be one of the few people with a level head amongst all of them. Right. But so it goes. Um, so she gets left there to bleed out pretty much. Uh, Xavier comes in briefly to read the number off the back of her neck and then leave her. So, much to her chagrin um, yeah but there he really didn't like her and she really didn't like him so I guess yeah and yeah Jonas gets killed by this spiked baseball bat that's been around the whole time yes uh, Xavier Xavier beans him with it. <laughs> um, so that's a bummer and at that point, we're left with Xavier, Amanda, and Daniel. Those are the only characters left. Um, yeah. And at this point, Amanda is trying to protect Daniel, trying to get him out because she realizes that the other people are going to try to kill him because he's Detective Matthew's son. And yeah, that's an upsetting thing. She takes him to this uh, back to the original room. And finds a trap door in there that opens up with the original key they found that they weren't supposed to use on the door. But it does open the trap door and lets them down there. And they end up in the bathroom from the first movie. <clears throat> they sure do. Uh, and at this point, um, Hello Zep starts playing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Our good old trusty Saw theme. Um, we get fun flashbacks from the first movie. We get to see a rotted foot. Yeah, Dr. Gordon's rotted foot there, and they show the foot, and they play audio of him at the same time. It's kind of They show a dead Zep. That's pretty cool. A dead Zep. Hello, Zep. Um, Dead Adam. Unclear what happened to Adam, Um, (laughs) but his head looks really upsetting. I'll tell you that right now. I think about it every time I see Saul 2. I'm like, man, his head looks so upsetting. Yeah, it's like kind of flat and like boxy it's really weird um but yeah and then so they are very devastated to be in this room (laughs) yeah it's it's gruesome like if we thought that the bathroom was gross when they first 
woke up in it in Saw 1. It's really gross now. Right. It's There's way like worse. Rotting body parts everywhere and just blood and crap. Man, it's really that place bad. must smell so good. Um, <laughs> the The entirety of Saw must just smell amazing. It's honestly just like a non But nothing could smell worse than this bathroom. This bathroom where the door apparently stays shut all the time, like while all of this stuff is inside it, must be like the worst place in the entire world. Well, there's that pig trap too. Oh, uh, the pig. We'll, mm, we'll get right. to Good that. point. We'll get to that. Um, so while this is all going on, as we said before, we're cutting back and forth between Detective Matthews and Jigsaw at his hideout. Yes, yes. Um, they basically, you know, they, they question each other a lot. Jigsaw is trying to get him to open up about his kid and everything and whether he likes being violent as a police officer, whether he um, is okay being behind a desk now. And Detective Matthews obviously trying to find out about his son, trying to find out why Jigsaw does the things he does. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, Matthews is just fed up, decides to go full full violent cop on uh on jigsaw he beats him up a bunch and it turns out (laughs) it turns out you know even though he's a cancer patient you still can hurt him uh well you can hurt him all you have to do is snap his pointer finger yeah he snaps his fingers he hits him around a bunch i mean he screams when his finger is broken yeah no it's pretty bad um and so eventually Jigsaw sputters out, game over. And oh, says, yes, that's very good. That's a great moment. I'm just, it feels like triumph, and you're like, hi, he finally beat Jigsaw. You got him. Uh, and Jigsaw agrees to take him to the house, but only alone. Um, and so they they hit this button on the wall. It turns out they were in an elevator the whole time, which I thought was really weird. That <laughs> I didn't feel like... That made any sense with the structure of the room, but apparently they I guess were... it's like a massive freight elevator that yeah. Jigsaw had repurposed. Yeah, like just this one section of the room was a big freight elevator that blended into everything else and like the desk and everything were in there. Right. Which maybe makes sense because it was a factory, but whatever. So they, him and Matthews go down in this elevator. The rest of them are left wondering like what's going on and they drive off to supposedly the house where um his son is yes meanwhile the the other cops are trying to trace the signal that they've been getting um from the security monitor feed right so they can find out where the hell they're going right so um so jigsaw is leading him in the car he tells him it's the last house on the left, which is another great moment of intertextuality. Yes, yes, I like that. Last house on the left. Um, they show up at this house. Matthews. How does it play out? Do they find out in the? Do they find out what's going on from the cop end first, or from Detective Matthews end? The cops well, Matt- find out first, right? <clears throat> yeah, Matthews. It depends. Matthews is wadding through the house and it's just very clear that something is off because everything is dark 
Um, yeah. He's walking around and things look different. Um, he finds Jonas and like Jonas's hand looks like it's not still didn't recently have warm blood. Um, well, the editing is great in this part too, because you're cutting between three different, um, three different uh, milieus. Se- sequences. Yeah. Yes. You're seeing um, Xavier chasing after Amanda and Daniel. You're seeing detective Matthews going through the house, trying to find Daniel. And you're also seeing the cops trying to figure out where detective Matthews has gone, trying to find the house and you're cutting right. between all this stuff. And you're not quite aware that things aren't exactly how they appear here. Right. Um, yes. So the cops show up at what they think is the house. They, they bust down the door, they storm in and <laughs> the cops back at the, uh, back at the base say like we can't see you where are you like you're not on the monitors and then the the live security feed (laughs) yeah the supposedly live security feed the cops in the house find this series of vcrs Mm -hmm. and press pause and that pauses the security feed back at the hideout right so it turns out they're not only at the wrong house the videos all along weren't live yeah they're they're all broadcasting from VCRs from this secondary house, and then meanwhile we see in the hideout this safe opens up, and inside of it is Daniel, who is very much alive, <laughs> very much alive but unconscious, you know, breathing yes. with a with a face mask, and so yeah, he's been there the whole time. The whole thing took place before. The cops even came storming in. Yep. All Detective Matthews would have had to do is just sit there with Jigsaw the whole time. Just like he said he had to do. That was the whole yes. rules of the game was just for him to sit there and talk. And he mm-hmm. would have find his son in a safe place. Yep. Literally a safe place. We get it, Jigsaw. <laughs> um, unfortunately, by this point, uh, Detective Matthews is in is in the house. So that's not really an option, is it? No, no, it's too late. He, he took his own way. So he's in the house and obviously Daniel's not there anymore. Seems like pretty much everyone else there is dead that he's come across, but he stumbles into the bathroom. It's all dark in there. He's looking around. He sees someone in the tub he thinks it might be Daniel, so he goes over there. But it's not. It's a pig mask person. No! The pig mask person jabs him with the needle, and he starts to pass out. Oops. When he comes to, he's got his leg in the shackle in the bathroom. Dr. Gordon Adams style. Oh, yes. And his tape reveals that it's Amanda... Working with Jigsaw. Put him in the trap. It was Amanda. Yeah. It's Amanda's voice on the tape, which is interesting because, you know, up till now, every tape has been from Jigsaw himself. But right. Amanda's voice on the tape. <clears throat> hello, hello, Detective Matthews. And just sort of laying out the whole thing for him how she came to be Jigsaw's apprentice 
because um, she managed to pass his tests. Right. And that she, uh, the plan is for her to carry on uh, Jigsaw's work when he dies from his cancer. What a rough, rough goal. <laughs> yeah. Amanda. Um, Amanda. Oof. And then she has to be the one to slam the door on him and say game over. And then it's Detective Matthews screaming into the darkness at the end of this movie. Oh, yes. He is screaming a lot. Yes. Using some very choice words for Amanda. (laughs) Well, he's a very angry man. He Uh, sure is. Well, he has right to be at this point. Um, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a very big twist. I mean, this is two huge twists in this movie, but especially revealing Amanda as Jigsaw's apprentice. Right. Like the, I'd say the biggest twist of the whole series. Yeah. And introducing the idea of a Jigsaw apprentice is arguably the biggest plot twist in all of Saw for sure. I mean, it's just like that very concept is going to go on to be crucial. (laughs) Right. And it opens installments. It opens up so many possibilities as well, because you're like, Oh, this Jigsaw guy, he's some old man with cancer. He's like, clearly dying in this movie. Uh, he's dying. He's eventually he's not going to be able to do this anymore. But now, like he's he's brought people under his wing. He's going to be able to keep this going as long as he wants to. Right. Uh, so that's definitely a pretty frightening prospect. It is, isn't it? And we find it quite the twist that someone we thought was like a victim the whole time is part of this. Is part of uh, carrying on Jigsaw's work. Yep. The fact that somebody who Jigsaw put in one of his traps would go on to make traps herself is pretty shocking and surprising. Yes, it is. And Amanda goes on to be a very, very crucial part of this whole franchise. So, Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. This, is, this is a huge moment here for the franchise. Very big and consequential for the several movies after this. Yes. Great moment. Yeah. One of the greatest moments of this franchise. Definitely. Agreed. Yeah. One of the top top five. At least. Oh, Amanda. Amanda. She really, she really did that. So one thing I think is interesting is that this whole movie, if they had just listened to Detective Carrie, <laughs> everything would have been fine. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, she was sensible. Yeah, she was like, listen, I've studied this guy. We should listen to what he's saying and do what he says. I think we'll we'll get through this. And they just won't do it. Like, <laughs> listen to the woman. Don't be your cra- angry macho man, Detective Matthews. Like, you'll be okay. Yeah, and it wasn't just Detective Matthews either. Like, Rig, who was probably like the lead of the other cops who weren't the detectives. Uh, right. He also was like all on board with like, Hey, let's go old school style. Let's like beat it out of this guy. Everything. Yes. He wasn't willing to just sit around and listen to jigsaw either. She was the only one who was like, Hey, like maybe we should, maybe he knows more than we do here. Maybe we should wait around and like try to figure out what he's actually planning. 
Because of course he knows more than they do. He's the one who orchestrated this whole thing. Clearly he was a step ahead of them the whole time. They should probably listen. Yeah. Probably. But, alas, we've got Matthews trapped in this trap at the end of it uh, as a result of his own missteps. Yep. He let his anger get the better of him, and he... uh, he thought he could force his way through it, and he got hoist by his own petard. Wow, good, uh, good, good way to put that one. Thank you. That's a, that's a Age of Empires two reference there. You know, I like it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like just the twists in this movie, the plot, the just everything about it, really, really does it for me. I love it. Yeah, I think this movie undeniably works. I think it's a great horror film. Um, I think it's a great horror sequel. I think it. I think it all fits together very, very nicely, um, and sets the groundwork for so much more to come from Saw. There's a yeah. lot more Saw after this, and oh yeah, there wouldn't have been the same, the same amount of Saw without this movie. So, yeah, I mean, like we said, there's. There's some very crucial world building that goes on in here. Most importantly, the introduction of Amanda as an apprentice and um, just the, the fact that there's, that this is going to keep going on, that it's not just this one guy, you know? Yeah. And like a slight tonal change. I mean, I think that there's a lot of like tonal similarities, but like the subtle shift from like moving it from like, we've mentioned how the first movie was more in line with mysteries and like thrillers. And this one really sets the groundwork for this becoming like a more horror franchise, like pure right. horror, you know, I mean, there are still mysteries and it's still a saw. It's still saw. So there's a lot of twists and turns and that in itself is kind of thriller and mystery esque, but definitely this one is setting the groundwork for this becoming the big horror franchise that we all know where it's all about these like violent traps. So. Right. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like the movie still, like we said, it starts out with the cold open trap, like many of the later ones does. But it still starts out with sort of the detective, mystery, thriller kind of tone that we saw in Saw 1. But around the time that they break into his hideout and we start seeing stuff inside the house. Like the whole thing sort of takes a different shift into a completely different tone. And that one sort of carries through the rest of the series. Well, I think so. it's a very interesting turning point there. I agree. And I, I think the movie, the whole franchise never really leaves behind the, the sort of like mystery and detective aspect of it. I, I mean, you could make some, when we get to jigsaw, we might have some different feelings on that, but like, I think a lot of times it never really leaves that concept behind. And I think it's important actually, because I think a lot of what the Saw franchise is, is a total breakdown of your classic detective and like cop procedural type, you know, dramas and horrors. Um, It's like basically saying like these, I mean, it's basically rendering all of those like classic detective tropes. Like in a lot of ways, uh, detective Matthews is like your typical, like real hard ass detective who would normally get results. Yeah, but can't. No matter what he does, he can't get results here. And I think that that's what a lot of this movie is. That 
none of these care none of these cops and detectives that we see get results none of them and i think that's really important actually as a thematic through thread through all of these movies yeah that's an interesting point it does sort of subvert a lot of the tropes that we expect from like police and detectives in a movie like this um in a lot of places the detectives and the police are kind of helpless here and are victimized just as easily as your average citizen yeah so it, a lot it of times, is yeah. interesting well and i it's think we'll see that come up again and again throughout the rest of uh, the movies and there's a lot of like the justice system failing a lot of people in, in these movies i mean so i think that it's going to be an interest i think that this I think that that's just like a common thread throughout all of it. And I think this movie is just one further example of it and it's going to keep happening. Um, so as it leaves like the pure mystery thriller behind, it's still retaining those elements because that's just the thematic core of this franchise. Yes. I think writ large, this series is sort of about the failures of many American institutions in the 21st century and yeah. we're going to see, especially in some of the later installations, it'll focus more in <coughs> on specific, healthcare saw <laughs> on specific elements of the system that um, that this franchise believes to be flawed. And I think we'll see we'll see a lot more detail fleshed out there. But this is right. sort of where you really start to get a feeling for where this series is driving at in terms of a cultural message. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, couldn't have said it better. I think this movie is very much about that. I think a lot of Saw is also about like us as viewers watching people like be put through these torture sequences. Like, <laughs> I mean, you think about this movie, it's all about like um, surveillance of the, like people are stuck in a situation where they're watching these people like kill themselves, basically. Yeah, surveillance. And they can't and do anything about it. But at the same time, a common, I mean, one of the more common reasons that Jigsaw puts, especially cops in traps, is because they're too invested in their cases and not in their own lives. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> I think that that like this just like this weird like parallel between these characters who get so invested in these cases that they forget their own lives and being forced to watch these things happen, but be doing nothing while we as an audience are watching and getting some weird pleasure out of these terrible things that these people ha that are happening to these people. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I, I think there's a, I think there's definitely like a slight indictment of everybody who's watching these movies at the same time. Oh um, yeah. The series who puts that out there. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and especially in some of the later ep episodes too, the series sure, definitely yeah. critiques its own audience, which I yeah. find very interesting. Right. But we'll get into more of that. So, Anything else to say about Saw 2? No, just that it really is pretty much my favorite of the Saw movies. I love Saw 2. It's great. I mean, there's definitely an argument to be made for this being the best of the Saw series. I mean, there's um, a there's the original originality argument of the first one, and I can't... That can't be... You know, that's very important. It right. was the first one, and right. that's really cool. And this movie wouldn't be as great as it is without the successes of the first film. Right, but I think so, this franchise wouldn't be what it is if the this movie hadn't happened exactly as it did. Like, yeah, Saw Two. If this had, if we had gotten Saw Three instead of Saw Two, 
you know, like it would be a totally yeah. different world. I don't think we would have then gotten seven Saw movies, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, like so, so many horror movies for the, for part two, will just have sort of a carbon copy follow up that maybe explains a little bit more, but mostly just sort of plays on the tropes of the first one. This one like really came in and changed the game in a big way. Mm -hmm. And, absolutely set it up for being such a successful franchise that it was right I, so like just like the importance of saw 2 to the franchise makes it one of my favorites no matter what i mean because it's just like it is like without this movie we wouldn't have had three four five six seven and jigsaw you know yeah um so and jigsaw <laughs> and jigsaw and jigsaw <laughs> we'll get there but yeah, Saw 2, great movie. Great movie. Check it out. It's it's very important to this whole franchise and what it means. Um we we can probably wrap up with a little bit of recent film activity for us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, other than Saw, I mean I haven't I haven't been to many of the current um movies that are in theaters right now. I know Captain Marvel's out right now. I definitely want to see that. I'm trying to see it next week. I'm trying to see it at the Nighthawk this week. Oh, possibly be cool. tomorrow. Yeah. But um for us personally, we had kind of an interesting movie weekend. Oh god. Matt was <laughs> Matt was down in DC this weekend for a change. Yeah. And um we saw a bunch of stuff in theaters um and out of theaters as well. We yeah, saw, we had a movie weekend. <laughs> yeah. We went to a screening of the room, uh midnight screening, which was a blast. So much fun. Yeah, so that was awesome. much fun. I want to come uh, back we, just for that again. I want to yeah, do that again. It was great. I mean, um we're big fans of the room, obviously, but if you've only ever watched the room at home and made fun of it with your friends, I mean, obviously that's a lot of fun too, but you're only having half the experience because seeing it with like a full audience at, at midnight and like making fun of it in the theater is just a whole different ball game. It really it's is so much fun. That was uh, awesome. <laughs> I'm known to go a little hard on the commentary, but um, you were pretty. You were very vocal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I I built up. I built up a few things that I like to talk about, but I I feel like it went over pretty well. It and, did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Then that was Saturday night. Wait, yeah, Saturday night. Then Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, we saw a pr special pre-screening of Harmony Korean's Beach Bum at wow. Alamo Draft House. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that <laughs> was awesome! <laughs> what a crazy movie that was! Yeah. It was so much fun. Um, it's I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. Yeah, I if thought you, it was awesome. If you haven't seen the trailers for Beach Bum starring Matthew McConaughey, go check it out. It's every bit as crazy as the trailer implies, and far more so. Uh, it's just nuts from start to finish. There's really no way to describe this movie other than like it's gonna be a blast. It's not gonna please everyone. I mean, I don't think you could ever say that a Harmony Korine movie would be a crowd pleaser no and i think it yeah it, it also like lacks structural coherence maybe cohesiveness um, yeah 
as a as a friend of the pod said, it's sort of like an Odyssey, like an Odyssey journey. Like that's the whole point of this movie. Um, Ooh, oh, that's an interesting comparison. Yeah, yeah. Um, that 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 is. I mean, I think that's true too. I think that's what this movie is. Like, <laughs> um, I think it's a subversion of that, and we don't need to go too into depth into this movie because we've already gone into depth on Saw Two. But like, yeah. um, <laughs> we'll discuss this at some point. But yes, but it, I do think it's a subversion of like the typical Odyssey thing, or you know, a character goes on a journey and finds themselves. I don't think he finds himself, and I think that's important. Like, <laughs> or maybe I think the point is that there's no finding yourself. But anyway, that's a different debate. Um, but. You know, I do think that that's what it is. And it's, so it's very episodic by nature. Um, and some people are not going to like that. Um, Maybe not, yeah. Because it's really weird and episodic and like very like things happen and then you never revisit them. And it seems like it should be something that's big, but it's not apparently. And <laughs> so. Oh, uh, yeah. It's crazy. It's strange. It's beautiful. I I think there's a lot going on here that's worth watching. And I loved it. it yeah. It, I'm definitely going to be seeing it again. It's going to be coming into theaters soon. Um, I don't know exactly the release date for that. This was a pre-screening, but it's going to be great. I definitely recommend everyone check it out. For sure. Check it out. Watch for my personal favorite performance, which was Zac Efron's hair. Um, oh, my God. Zac Efron's hair. Um, possibly his jeans. His yeah. jeans get a second. They're like best supporting, maybe. Um, we got um so the the screening came with a Q&A session afterwards and during the Q&A Harmony Korean said that uh Zac Efron's hair and like beard style was inspired by him looking at a panini and being like huh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah look out for that that's a lot of fun oh uh. Yeah, Zach Efron, a bit of a show stealer here. He's a lot he of really fun. is. He was great in this movie. Matthew McConaughey, obviously a blast from start to finish. Martin Lawrence is so so damn funny in this. Also, I, Snoop Dogg and Jimmy Buffett are in this movie. Jimmy Buffett, I cannot believe is still in this. And yeah, yeah. there's a lot of great casting here and a lot of fun to be had. Yeah, it, it's, it's a. It's a real blast. There's an amazing cat. Like, I don't know. I don't know what else anyone wants from this movie. <laughs> there's a parrot in this. There's a there's a parrot that does coke in this movie. There is a cocaine addicted parrot. Yeah. That's real. That's actually extremely. It's important to me. Um, very important. Very. Isla very Fisher important. is in this movie. Yes. Uh, Isla Fisher is excellent in this movie. She looks like Daphne from Scooby-Doo for half of her time on screen. But Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. Um, man, it's just like there's so many good things in this movie. Damn. So many good things. Very good. Hopefully we can review this movie in full at some point. Maybe when it comes to theaters. Probably need like a Harmony Corinne episode someday. Oh my god, like, yes. <laughs> or like a two-parter maybe where we can just... Because that's going to be long. Because yeah. I could talk about Spring Breakers for like... Spring Breakers or Gummo. Yeah, I could talk about a lot of these <laughs> things for a long time. So <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah, it'll be wild. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. And then... Sunday night, we watched The Bye Bye Man for some oh. damn reason. <laughs> the Bye Bye Man is very funny. 
I maintain that it's very funny. Well, how how would you know? You slept through like the entire thing. Not the first time I saw it. That was just that one time. <laughs> okay, all right. Fair enough. It had been a late night the night before. <laughs> it had. It had. Y'all know I sleep through anything, um, yeah, especially yeah. after drinking. So That's true. And after I slept through part of uh, Black Christmas 2006, I think it's only fair. Right. You got a chance to nap during this one. Uh, the Bye Bye Man features giant orange dog, basically. <laughs> and I got to tell you. <laughs> oh, my God. Also, yes. Faye Dunaway ever. is in that movie. I like. I could not believe that that made no sense to me i still don't understand no what she's doing. sense it's ridiculous but yeah that movie was ridiculous it's so bad it was an absolute turd um yeah i don't really know what else to say it didn't make a lot of sense it was weird nope but it's it was like the of... slenderman yeah oh i still have seen that i guess you haven't seen slenderman why did i think you'd seen it I tried to go see it while I was still in theaters. Like, I think I told you I was planning on seeing it. And then, like, it fell through at the last minute. And it was, like, the last time it was showing at that theater. So I just didn't oh. see it. But Back I'm in sure. The movie past glory days. Yeah. Oh, glory days. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm sure I'll catch it at some point. It, was, uh, it sounds just terabad enough to check out. It's pretty terabad. Um, but yeah, it was fun seeing the Bye Bye Man finally. The Bye Bye Man. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Honestly, if they just changed the name, like the movie would have been at least 20% scarier. But you cannot take the Bye Bye Man seriously. You can't. That's the thing about it. No matter what you do, you've already given it the name the Bye Bye Man. And there, there's no way to make that scary. <laughs> Especially every time, like someone says it with like dread in their voice, like how are they not cracking up right now? Like, even if you've seen what he can do, you're still just like, but he's the fucking bye bye man. Like, why? Why are we supposed to be scared again? Oh right, yeah, he killed those people. But seriously, the bye bye man. Ah, <laughs> but yeah, um, fun time that, and that was our movie weekend. That's what we've seen recently. It is. I saw Alita. Have I mentioned the Alita? Oh, I, I don't that. think so. I don't, know. I don't think I mentioned that on the pod. Uh, I, I saw I Alita Battle Angel. Yeah, I mentioned that I had seen it. Yes. I really liked it. Actually. I really liked it too, actually. I mean, I it's, it it's certainly a bit of a flawed movie, but it's a lot of fun. And I think, like, obviously they're trying for a sequel. I think a sequel would be pretty good. Hopefully. I don't know if they're going to get it greenlit, though. So, Well, James Cameron has like a billion dollars, so maybe he'll just pay he'll for it to about be finished it. off. Who yeah. Knows? yeah, because where it was left off is pretty upsetting if it doesn't. Yeah, it, it, it's a huge cliffhanger if yeah. <laughs> like it just ends there. So I really hope they do pick up where it left off. But yeah, I, I recommend going and check it out if you like just fun action sci-fi futuristic cyborg movies. Yes. It's cool. It's a yes. really cool movie. And the eyes are not nearly as bothersome as you'd think. I mean, they still are a little goofy. But they still are pretty bothersome. There's, but so, there's so many other weird looking things in that movie that it just sort of blends in. You kind of get over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah. Um, so that's been our week in movies. We'll be back with you next week for Saw 3. The Hospital Saw. A hospital saw, yeah. We don't have quite as much affection for this one as we do the first two, but no. we're still going to do our best to discuss this and uh, give it its fair due. I still like it. I like all the saws to a certain extent. Oh, yeah, even the ones I hate, I like. Um, and there is at least one that I hate, but... <laughs> I'm... I can see it coming, but we've got many, many to go before there. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah. until until then, uh, you can always follow us on Twitter. We're at Buzzed On Movies. We like to tweet things from time to time related to whatever we've been discussing or just yes. whatever's in movie news. This week in movie news, uh, some actresses got caught up in this huge college admission scandal. Yeah, uh, this maybe, has been really fun. Maybe you've heard about this by now. Uh, it's pretty, pretty weird stuff. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, maybe next week we'll discuss when we know a little more about it. But right now it's just like, whoa, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. Uh, but yeah, that um, that's one of the things we're tweeting about. If you want to know more, follow us at Buzzed On Movies. Mm-hmm. You can also get in, get in touch with us by email at buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. And if you like what we're putting down, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, or Pocket Casts. Um, And maybe give us a review if you feel so inclined. Please do. We're always welcome to take your feedback. And uh, until then, until we come back to you with Saw 3, we'll see you at the movies. We'll see you at the movies.